Character development. What is it? Character development has to start with a foundation. As the author, you can expand on that foundation any way you like. We will cover it all. Welcome to Rolo's Writing Room. What's up, guys? It's Marissa, and my fun fact is I'm allergic to penicillin. It's a medicine. Samesies! Hello there, I'm Abby, and once I hit myself in the head with a pair of nunchucks and cried for several minutes. Hey, hey, I'm Liberty, and my fun fact is that I love dinosaurs. I have a dinosaur binder that I feel like doesn't get as many compliments as I would appreciate since it's a dinosaur binder, but, like, it's fine. It's fine. (sighs) Today we'll be discussing characters and character development. What is a character? A character is the main thing in our story. We can't write without them. They control how the story flows and goes. Okay, but what's character development? Character development is how your character grows throughout the story. (laughs) They could change in a small way or develop into something completely different from who they started as. So, who is your favorite or best character from your guys' stories? Okay. So, a little background information on my character. Basically, what happens in their entire world is a simulation, and there's a character who lives on the outside of the simulation. His name is Stefan, and he hates his job. He's in surveillance. He, like, really, really hates it. Like, wishes he could be in the simulation and be, like, a normal person. Really? Yeah. Um... And what happens to him one day is he's, like, scrolling through all these different cameras, doing his job and whatever, and he finds, like, the three kids who are trying to, like, escape. Um, He basically stalks them through the rest of the book and kind of finds out that they're planning to escape. He illegally communicates with them, and then they wake when they wake up in the actual world, he helps them get back in the simulation and save everyone. So he's kind of like the character that breaks the fourth wall, but on purpose. Yes. Oh, he's just built different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. Okay, I gotta say, the more I look back at my novel, the more I wish I could have done literally everything better, like the character development. It's like I wrote a sitcom instead of a novel. Everyone is stagnant. But I feel like the most developed out of everyone from Queen was King Hector, Mm -hmm. leader of the good guys. He's technically not even the king. He's just a regent until his nephew, Stefan, is old enough to rule. He doesn't even want to roll at all, and he's a bit of a nervous wreck, but at least he won't have to deal with the job for long. Throughout the story, he becomes more and more in control of himself and confident, which is good for him. And then I killed his nephew, so his character can continue taking responsibility and growing as a leader without that pesky safety net. Honestly, don't blame me for doing that as Mm -hmm. a writer. Unfortunately, Stefan gets murdered very close to the end of the story, so I didn't really get to write how that changed his character. But uh, I do think he's the most developed out of all of them. I think I tried writing a short story about King Hector, but it didn't get very far. Mm-hmm. So cute. I like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I like King Hector. He seems like, okay, that's a, okay. I thought he would be annoyed that like his nephew was there, but... No, it's cool that you killed him off, to be honest, because yeah. I would have yeah, preferred that King Hector stay king. 
Mm -hmm. He seems like that one, like, fun uncle you have that doesn't have, like, a wife or children, and he just kind (laughs) of is there. The one who makes some questionable decisions, too. Yeah, uh uh-huh, that one. (laughs) The character I'm choosing is all the way back from the beginning. Hina Metronome, the OG, the GOAT, the original. The main character in the Land of the Nine. The best way to describe Hina is a toddler with a knife. You know, like that one, like the like little vine that goes, what do you got there? A knife. No. Yeah, it's like that, mm-hmm. but like, <laughs> which I'm not, I didn't really regret it, to be honest. I wrote that down, but I don't really regret it, to be honest. Um, she has olive skin, dark brown hair, and we can't forget about those green eyes that I didn't add till later in the story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everything is pretty cool, normal about her, besides the whip marks that cover her back due to like town punishment. But like, you know, like Harry Potter's scar. It's yeah. kind of like that, so it's okay. So she is a troubled teen that doesn't really like where she is in life and tries to prove it by defying like absolutely everything. But then she's somehow picked to lead the country that she absolutely despises because, you know, the leader at the time was just kind of like that. He's mm-hmm. just, he, imagine like Hamish, but wiser <laughs> almost okay. in a way, I guess. <laughs> Um, but there seems to be like no end in sight. Hina's kind of the version of me that like if she got to do whatever she absolutely pleased, which sounds really cool. And sometimes I do do that. But like, mm-hmm. anywho, <laughs> she's blunt, stubborn, strong, fast, creative, annoying, and probably her most redeeming quality, persistent. But that's just kind of her. And she changes nice. throughout the story to start to like what she's doing, mm-hmm. which is cool. Yeah. I feel like our stories kind of combine or have like similar things because Hina's leading your country and my three get to go on this like incredibly insane mission. I don't even like that's I I don't know where your brain came up with that, but like kudos because that's like (laughs) developed. I'm like, oh, okay, (laughs) that's different. Now let's hear from our characters and our stories. Who goes first? Ow, jump scare. Sorry, Abby. Abby, go ahead. So uh, King Hector and uh, this other guy, his name is Bishop Matthew, are just kind of standing around and waiting for things to happen right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ah, uh, said King Hector. He kicked at the mud a bit. Well, in that case, do you have any guesses about what could possibly be going on right now at the battlefield? Bishop Matthew thought for a moment. Well, all I can say for sure is that Stefan and Mortimer got themselves into some sort of idiotic mishap, that Dame Tuesday's horse got stuck in the mud, that Queen Catherine is laying waste to all things Ergolin that happened to be in her way. Only to be expected, King Hector said. He suddenly stopped his pacing. Do you hear anything? Bishop Matthew was silent for a moment. Perhaps. Why do you ask? Isn't this normally the time the other army will begin to mount their attacks against the king instead of other enemy soldiers? King Hector pointed out. Bishop Matthew's eyes widened. Oh dear, he said. For once in your life, you may have a point. I would be flattered, if not for the backhanded nature of that compliment, King Hector sniffed. But now is not the time to be thinking about that. We'd best get prepared for any sort of attack. So yeah, I guess that's it. Bishop's kind of mean. He doesn't like King Hector. Mm-hmm. That's just how he is with everyone. Is he 
kind of like the wise old like owl no he just casually insults <laughs> or is he them. the one that thinks he's the best and then insults everyone else no he just insults everyone casually like oh. roasts them. i know about half the nice. boys that go to our school that think that <laughs> i'm set marissa <laughs> i'm better than you you're really not <laughs> you can try but Liberty. you're next uh-oh mine's a little longer <laughs> okay Everyone turns to look at Max while waving his... Oh, wait, sorry. A little backstory here. Sorry. <laughs> so they're playing Capture the Flag. I did this so the readers could get a chance to like kind of get a taste of everyone's characters because I was mm-hmm. introducing a lot of characters at the time. So I did it as a way to like get their little teams, like a team, you know, like mm-hmm. the fun game that you're... Like a camp counselor makes you play on day one yeah. because you don't really know any... Yeah, it's like one of those... <laughs> They're cute. Okay, continuing on. Every turns to look at Maxwell, waving his hands to get everyone's attention. Maxwell runs back into the trees. Daly and Teddy start to pursue him on foot. I cover my ears from the pain of him yelling right into my ear. My right ear starts to ring, but before I can start to run, Josie jumps on my back. That gets me going. I keep running, trying to think fast. Ash is too busy watching the Maxwell situation to notice Josie is away from her post. Josie starts to claw at me with her legs wrapped around my ribs. She claws to stay on, and is trying to get to my arm. I feel her start to draw blood from me. I let out wince. I, <laughs> I let out a wince as she claws me. She notices this too and uses it to her advantage. She starts to try to take me down. She rips through my tank top, clawing at my back, arms, chest, and face. Blood starts to cloud my vision and I feel myself losing speed. She takes my hair tie out of my hair, letting it blow through the wind. It's almost as if it's fire on me, tearing my flesh away to leave nothing but bones. I see a tree out of the corner of my eye it gives me an idea i don't notice the pain as much because the adrenaline kicking in instead of flight i turn to fight i run straight for the tree she's now using her feet to beat at my ribs and break them it's working because it's getting harder and harder to breathe every second like the time you fell on your back or stomach and the air got knocked out of you but instead of having time to recollect your breathing it just gets knocked out of you again and again Just when I'm about to hit the tree, I turn sideways and she takes the brunt of the tree's force. You can hear the crack sound either from the tree or her breaking something from the force. She falls off and becomes unconscious. My weight gets knocked off balance and I fall over, tripping over my already hurt ankle. I let out a pout of anger. That causes Ash to look over and she sees Josie lying in the middle of the ground. As Ash runs over, I crawl into a nearby bush. I'm tired and I just want to go to sleep. I don't care about this. I'm too tired. I'll just lay here and take a quick nap. No one will know why am I even out here anyway I'm just going to take a quick little nap my eyes flutter shut get up huh who said that Hina get up you're almost there come on get up no thanks I don't want to why is he yelling at me anyways nothing serious is going on leave me alone Hina get up don't fail as yet come on I believe in you no you don't no one ever believes in me now let me sleep Hina get up please dude chill it's not that big of a deal Hina you're here for a reason Towers believes in you I believe in you time believes in you oh right that's what I'm doing I grip my teeth and stand up. My knees shake together, threatening to collapse, but I go. I run. I run as fast as I can, as hard as I can. I jump out and grab the 
hearts flag. I do a 180 and turn to run towards time's side. I hear a deep voice. Ash, get her. Right as I run past Ash, she darts to run after me. I'm in pain, so much pain. I want to stop, but why would I? I need to keep going. I can't stop. I need to prove that I'm worth something, that I want to be here because I do. I don't want to die. I have something to live for, and this is me proving I can do it. It seems extreme, but I'm an extreme person. I can hear heavy steps from Teddy that shake from the ground. I won't stop. I pass the cage. Maxwell watches me with disbelief on his face. For the first time, I smile wholeheartedly. This is where I want to be. I can see the yellow line. I can see me winning. I can see Sebastian running towards me from time's territory, trying to catch me before I make it. Ten yards. Eight. Six. Four. Ten feet. Five feet. One foot. I made it. Sorry, that was a little long, but... (laughs) I'm getting Hunger Games. Yeah, except, like, they're not fighting for their life. It's literally just capture the flag, but, like, they all take it, like, dumbly serious, like, Mm -hmm. for no reason. But I thought it gave a good representation of her showing character development for the first time, of her actually wanting to do this. Yeah. Yeah, sorry it was a long. No, you're good. Okay. Let's hear it, Rissa. Backstory on this. This is when Stefan is trying to, like, um, break them out of jail, I guess. Oh, cute. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. It's probably around 9.30. I can't tell the exact time because there aren't any clocks down here. How do they keep track of time? I'm almost to the stairs. I'm ahead of schedule. That's okay. We need time to go over the plan again. Ebony can tell us how the mass works so we can get into the simulation. The stairs echo. I guess I never really noticed that before. I was too scared of being caught. That's probably what the woman heard. Once I get to the bottom of the stairs, I rush over the cell doors. I take my backpack off and rustle through it for the keys. There are about ten different keys on this thing. I open the food slot where Ebony is, laying on her cot and staring at the ceiling. She glances over at me. Stefan, you made it! She says in a loud whisper. I hold up the keys. You got him. Good job, she says and walks over to the slot. It's got quite a few of them on here, so it might take a little while, I say. That's okay, just don't take forever, she says. I try the first one on the loop. It fits in the keyhole, but it doesn't turn. I try the next one. This one doesn't even fit in the keyhole. The third one turns. I have to jiggle it, but eventually the door clicks and it pops open. You did it, she says while she pushes the door open to the rest of the way. I smile a proud smile, then walk over the cell across the hallway and use the same key to unlock it. When I do, Jace jolts up off his bed. What was? Jace yells. Shh! Ebony (laughs) whispers harshly. Sorry, he whispers back. Okay, are we ready? I ask. Let's go over the plan once, Ebony suggests. She starts talking and reviewing the plan, and I nod every once in a while. After she, after she finishes, we all agree, and I put the keys back in my backpack, and we head out. Ah! I like Chase. What a cool name. What a good choice for a name. Good choice, Marissa. Thank you. Good choice. I do like yes. Stefan. He seems really cool. Yeah. And Ebony? Ebony. Ebony. Okay, sorry. Mm-hmm. Ebony. That's hard to say, but, like, it's a cool name. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's, like, a super cu- cute name. I think it defies her personality. She seems very strong. But mm-hmm. it's like Ebony. It's, like, so, like, soft. But <laughs> I appreciate that from her. Yeah. Next, we'll discuss our favorite characters from other books. Rolo's Writing Room will be back after this short break. Now, welcome to your ad break. What is this ad? The ad that plays as you're right in between falling asleep and being awake. That's just loud enough to scare you back awake. Sleep tight. 
Hello, and welcome back to Rolla's Writing Room. In segment two, we will be discussing one of our favorite characters that show character development. So, let's hear these awesome characters. Okay, my character comes from the book Never Coming Home by Kate Williams. I'm going to, like, spoil the end somewhere in this, so if you're going to read this book, don't listen. Don't just skip this part. I have to. (laughs) It's a thriller where ten famous people are invited to a tropical island for a free vacation. When they get there, they all receive a letter accusing them of murder. One by one, they all die, and by the end, they're all dead. (laughs) Um, So my character's name is Celia Young. She's a 16-year-old gamer and the youngest on the trip. In the beginning, she's awkward and, like, doesn't feel like she belongs. Um, Her parents made her come because they thought it would be a good opportunity for her. She mostly blends into the background, is just along for the ride, until one night she takes some tea back to her room, and the others find her lying in the middle of her room, dead from arsenic poisoning the next morning. So when the police show up a few days later, um, when everyone's supposed to be dead, she's found barely alive. In the last chapter, it reveals that she all along was the killer, and somehow this tiny, non-social teenage girl was able to kill all of them and successfully get away with it. Um, she felt none of these people should have gotten away with what they did and killed them for it. It was a lot of change in a very short amount of time. <laughs> did, s- did someone try to kill her? No. Um, she faked her poisoning. So she wouldn't look like the murderer. Mm-hmm. Oh, how smart. Yeah. Look at her. That's impressive. Cool. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, my character is Snotlout from the How to Train Your Dragon book series by Cresta Cow. He's the cousin of the main character, Hiccup, and just a complete bully throughout most of the series. He stays fairly stagnant. This is a threat to Hiccup's general well-being because he feels like Hiccup gets more attention than he does. And also, if he kills Hiccup, he'll be next in line for Chef. Oh, so why not kill him? (laughs) Tries to. Oh. uh, Several times, yes. Nice. It's like Roadrunner. Imagine having your cousin try and kill you. It's like the opposite of Sweet Home Alabama. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) But in book nine, he basically ruins Hiccup's entire life and makes him a fugitive running from the law. Oh, And then about two books later, he shows up at Hiccup's secret hideout, offering information that could help end the interspecies war that I do not have time to explain right now. Hiccup, despite being warned against it by his friends, trusts Stotlout, and then Stotlout betrays him and sells Hiccup out to the main villain of the series, but it doesn't win him any favor. And the combined effect of being rejected by others and the time he spent with Hiccup and the interspecies war change him. And he realized that he's not going to get any validation if he just kills Hiccup and stuff. And he doesn't have he doesn't have anywhere else to go. So he finds Hiccup again and looks out for him. Change from a bully to a brother figure. I was glad he was finally able to find somewhere where he belonged. I think his character development like really affected me when I first read the book series when I was like eight or something. It's crazy. Sorry, when I was eight, yeah. I was learning like Junie B. Jones. <laughs> like, okay. Hey, eight, was that third grade? Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, that was. Whoa. I'm old. Yeah, we're old. Okay. Ooh. How many books are there in the series? Twelve. Oh, yeah. wow. Oh, my. I can barely hold on to three books in a yeah. series. It's like a. 
like a train that slows down. Mm-hmm. Like I get through the first book, like it's the fastest thing of my life, but then mm-hmm. the others are just like trudging. Yeah. That's cool. I'm glad he had a comeback story. You don't see yeah. that a lot with evil characters. Yeah. yeah. Good for him. That's really good. Yeah, that series was kind of wacky because the first books are childish and like, oh, we have to find a potato or my best friend will die. <laughs> Yeah, that, that was a book. That was the plot of an entire book. Uh, uh. Oh, was it a magic potato? It, no, it was just a regular potato. No, See, no. I would get if it was like a magic Nothing potato special. or something like that. <laughs> it's just a potato. Like if the best friend was sick or something like that, and you had to find this magic potato to cure him. I'd understand that. Yeah. And then it's like, there's this interspecies war, and that everyone's going to die if you don't end it soon. Hiccup. Oh, gosh. That was weird. I bet. Huh. Okay. Your turn, Liberty. Got it. My character comes from the Unwind Dystology, a young adult dystopian written by Neil Schutzerman. So I'm going to go on a little rant about him because he's my favorite author, who is the New York Times bestselling author of over 30 books. Some include Challenger Deep, which at the time we hadn't read when we wrote this Mm -hmm. sort of script, but... Rolo decided to pull it out of his butt the day after we finished writing this. Yeah. So... Weird, right? <laughs> the Scythe Triology, which I have read, the Skin jo- Skinjacker Triology, and many more. I highly recommend you check out the Unwind Dystology. It's awesome, consisting of four super well-written books, Unwind, Unholy, Unsold, and Undivided. In his book, he switches POV constantly, but mainly following Connor, Risa, Lev, and in later books, Cam. I love Cam. He's so cute. But I won't be talking about any of those characters. I'll be talking about like a really small character, but he is kind of like the comic relief character who you kind of forget about, but like when you see his chapter come up, you're like... <sighs> It's like one of those, like, oh, thank God. It's just been... Okay, so Hayden Upchurch, I think I'm saying that. Right? Not bad if I'm not. Hayden Upchurch was in all of the books with his straight, perfect white teeth, perfect blonde hair, and blue eyes. Hayden was supposed to die due to his parents arguing over him, but, like, he managed to escape from it. Throughout all four books, he would make these short appearances that always made you laugh. He was funny, but you could never really tell if he was serious or not. As Connor said, Hayden has a permanent grin. We don't get to see much of his point of view until the last book where he has a podcast called Radio Free Hayden. Kind of ironic, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Where he talks about what it's like to be on the run in a dangerous situation. Throughout the series, Hayden remains loyal to Connor, although he although he may not always seem that way he tricks his way through the book with smiles and grins until the end of the book where he manages to change the u.s for the better so due to his podcast he like almost changed the whole entire u.s opinion about this really big amendment like man god he worked he worked hard like you see him as kind of a lazy character but no he just kicks butt in the end it's impressive um, so you'll notice it from his podcast. It always got me excited to see his POV because I love him. He's awesome. <laughs> him. He's so funny. <laughs> but yeah, he's a lot. Wow. <laughs> well, yeah. when you first said like perfect straight teeth, blonde hair, blue eyes, I was like, oh, he's got to be like the jock from every like high school movie. But no. He is comic relief, to be honest. Like if you, I guess Roland would be the chalk, but he's only in the first book. You know, mm. he kind of like. But oh, okay. <laughs> oh, that chapter was weird, man. <laughs> well, I hope we didn't spoil too much. Y'all recommend you guys read this book if you haven't yet. Yeah. 
Thank you guys for listening to our part of Rella's writing room. We're passing Tony. you guys sage wisdom. Bye. Yeah, Jim. Yeah. Where'd you put that darn mosquito? I need another bamba raptor. Look in the amber. It is a dare. Did you lose it? Oh, no. Have you ever found yourself in a situation like this, in need of a dinosaur but nowhere to turn to? Thanks to DefinitelyNotAScam.com, you can buy your own dinosaur maker today. Just add two AA batteries, flip the switch, and think of a dinosaur, and boom! There you have it. Multiple studies have shown that in the past 20 years, more people have died from chihuahuas than dinosaurs, so it's completely safe. Dinosaurs have not been proven to be safe for human interaction. By buying Dinomaker, you agree to risking your life, loved ones, and mental sanity. Batteries not included. Welcome back to Sage Wisdom with your host, Sage. My hair is black now, thanks to $7 box black hair dye from Walmart. Not sponsored. Today is episode 13, the age I was when I decided shaving my head was a good idea. Do not recommend that. Today we have on the podcast Mrs. Havilander, a 6th grade ELA teacher here at River Valley Middle School. How have you been today? Hello. I'm great. Thanks for having me in today. You're welcome. Is there anything you just want to get off your chest before we start this? Oh, wow. I don't know if we have that much time. <laughs> I don't think so. But okay. I'm excited to be here. That's good. Dive right in. This is a 13th episode, so we've had 13 guests on here, which like half of which have been students. And we had some authors, and we had the director of NaNoWriMo on this podcast. You did? Yeah. Wow. We did. And um, Wendelin Von Drogen. <gasps> Yeah. We're starting Swear to Howdy tomorrow really? in my class. Really? Yeah. It, yes. If you want to get a good look in their class about the author, uh, it's episode 10, I think. Okay. I love that. I love that. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. Anyways, side tangent. I I have a bunch of questions laid out here. Okay. I'm going to ramble on about. <clears throat> what? You are an ELA teacher here at Valley. You're the, I am. One of two. I'm one of two sixth grade. So what... Made you decide to be an ELA teacher specifically? Well, funny you ask. I don't know that I ever really set out to teach ELA per se, but since fourth grade, I knew I wanted to be a teacher. I knew I wanted to teach sixth grade. Ooh, so um, you've always taught sixth grade? I have not. That's the oh. weird thing. I didn't teach sixth grade until about four years ago. My oh. <laughs> my career path. I went into middle school education. I was very passionate about working with middle schoolers. <laughs> and um, then on a fluke, I got into grad school and kind of went a different direction. I went into special education, and mm. then I worked with infant and toddlers. <laughs> oh, one of my questions here was, what's the difference between teaching older kids versus younger yeah, kids? Yeah, right. Okay, I'll okay, wait well, for that sorry, one. Sorry. Yeah. No. Um, and then story. after that, I actually taught high school, and then I taught elementary school. She kind of and um, went back to special ed, and then I finally found my way back to sixth grade. So sixth it's taken grade. me like 23 years oh to finally goodness. teach sixth grade, but now that. I'm here. Now you're here. I mean, it, was, it worth, was it worth the journey? It was. Okay. <laughs> I do good. love sixth grade, but I found out along the way that I have passion about other things, too, that I didn't even know. God. So that's kind of why I took a little... It took me 23 years to finally 23 get here. 23 years. Was there like a subject that you that you taught that you like wouldn't normally see yourself teaching? Or was it just always? Let's see. When I taught at a high school, I ran an internship program for juniors and seniors. And I would help them find placements out into the community. Like so, for, uh, for instance, you're interested in, in having your 
your own show, then maybe you would find, I would hook you up with somebody in the community and you'd kind of, you would work for, you would volunteer. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so I would get to go and then see you in your workplace, if Uh, you will. Yeah. So it was really fun. I had kids at veterinarian clinics. I had kids at architecture firms. I had kids in classrooms. I had a kid at the police academy. Um, So that was, that was I was very surprised that I was um, able to teach that program. Yeah, that seems like so much. Um, that was cool. I would have. I don't know that I could ever do that again. It was a lot of work, but <laughs> that was really cool. That's. That I can't see myself doing that again, and um, I'm glad I'm in language arts. I, I'm good at math, but it's it's not my favorite to try to explain. So <laughs> pretty much, that's kind of how it, I ended up in reading. I just I love to read, and I, I do enjoy writing. So kind of worked out great when they asked me do you want to be a language arts teacher in sixth grade I thought why not so you've obviously had a lot of students and a lot of different characters in your time I've had a lot of characters yes if you have a specific one you'd like to share do you have like a student success story that you find like really like inspirational or something along those lines oh my gosh so many I don't even know where to start um I would say just inspirational stories. It, it's basically the the students I meet and and their families. Sage, that's a hard one. <laughs> that's a hard one. I asked Rolo it, and he was like, "Uh, the girl who showed me Nana Rebel." <laughs> I was like, "Okay." <laughs> I mean, I think I've told this story before, but like one of the funniest stories is funniest. when I taught preschool, and I had a girl who was going blind, and she had a glass eye mm-hmm. but I didn't know it might oh. come out at recess oh and it did on the swings oh and it popped out and rolled in the dirt and we weren't expecting that so that was kind of surprising yeah that that would catch me a little <laughs> off guard that would yeah that would that was a little surprising yeah that would I would say probably my my biggest successes are just the kids that don't believe in themselves who hate coming to school um, I know it sounds kind of cliche, but if, yeah. if if you can just make one person's day better that day, it's a success. And I have had kids hate school. <laughs> I don't know why, but um, and just knowing that that they were coming at the end of the year regularly, I'll take that as a success. Yeah, that's that's day. a win. That's a win in that's teachers' win. books. That's a win. Okay, big time. So. This podcast was yeah. started originally. Now that November has passed, it's kind of um, a whatever now. But have you? It was originally about NaNoWriMo, mm-hmm. National Novel Writing mm-hmm. Month. I'm sure you have heard about it. Um, but have you ever participated in NaNoWriMo? I have not actually participated in it. However, one of the years that I was a language arts tutor here at the middle school, I did work here in Mr. Rollo's room when students did it so I have an idea of what it is and what it entails and what the what that first week looks like with all the <laughs> excitement uh, yeah. and then what the second and third weeks look like <laughs> and then what the fourth week looks like so you've been around students that have done I, it. I have been. yeah yes. okay so even though you have not participated in NaNoWriMo specifically have you ever written a book or like novel of some sorts I I mean I've dabbled in a short story in a short story, yeah, would you be? I'm not creative, so I'm better at technical writing. I know, right? What like, is? Let me that? write a manual. I can put oh. together a good agenda. <laughs> so Give me your stuff to proofread. Th- I'm so bad but at like, giving creativity, instructions. Creativity, I don't know. 
creativity. You create it and I'll help you make it the best it can be. <laughs> I'm a creative writer, 100%. We had to do a project in Rolos called um, How Do I? And we had to give instructions on how to make something. And I didn't do it for like the first week. And then we had one day to do it. And I did an instruction on how to procrastinate. <laughs> it was funny. And it also gave some pretty good instructions. Anyways. You nailed it though, right? Coming yeah. in at the last minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, different off topic. So... But yes, just real quick, the that writing, the nano writing, it I'll be honest, it scares it scares me to it's, death. It's scary. It's a huge <laughs> undertaking and I I saw how excited everybody is those that first week and you've got all these ideas and then by the time the third week comes around, it's like, oh God, this is the final. This is we're we're getting there, dude. <laughs> I know you're getting there, but there there are definitely some roadblocks, and I feel like I would have writer's block. Oh yeah, writer's block is the worst. Oh my goodness. Oh my Jesus. I would I, I would need to like travel to some remote place and <laughs> just be by myself. I don't know. Is that what you do when you get writer's block? I just pray. <laughs> no, um, I just, I just hope. I, I, I've probably said this five hundred billion times on the podcast, but I, I write music a lot, and so it's awesome. like when I can't get a friggin' lyric to make sense, it's ugh. so. Wow. Nanorimo is kind of like that times whatever number you can conjure up in your head. <laughs> right. Absolutely. So I cannot see my thing. What is your favorite project to do with your sixth graders because i know rollo has a lot of projects he yeah. likes to do so <laughs> i think one of my favorite projects i actually borrowed from rollo don't tell him what project um i love doing a frozen tableau what it's is one that of my favorite things what is that okay. so a frozen tableau is when you choose a, a scene from a book that you're reading and you recreate it with a statue. So let's say you and I were going to recreate, I can't even think of anything, Snow White. Snow White, okay. all right. And um, you're Snow White, and so you would be po posed there, and you would pretend like you had an apple, and I <laughs> might be the Evil wicked witch. witch behind you, or I might be the little dopey um, elves, yeah, not elves, gnomes, elf. gnomes, 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 there you go, um, dwarf, 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 what's the term, <laughs> took a second, we got there eventually, so your, your acting troupe would come up, and one, two, three, they get into place and freeze, and it's supposed to be reflective hey, of a stop scene, that. the wow. lights are just like flickering, I'm hold sure on, what that means, it's the ending times. Okay. <laughs> no, continue. Um, and so, yes, you come up and you you get into your scene and you freeze. And then hopefully the audience votes on what scene it is based on how you froze it. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's interesting. So it's like a, a fro frozen in time. We so. have not done that project yet. It's so fun. I'm, I'm hoping we get to do it this it's year. It's fun. And we just wrapped up a book called Bell Prater's Boy. It's very soap opera-ish. I feel like I... And um, I it's... It's going to be good with the Frozen Tableaus because <laughs> okay. there's some juicy things in that book. So, so. sixth graders' warnings. This is your next project. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I've, I have I wanted to cover this book, and I don't know if you've read it or not, but what? I really want to talk about it on the podcast because I don't really get the chance to just kind of like talk like okay. the segments before. So there's this book we read called Challenger Deep. Ooh. Have you read it before? 
Have you read it before? I have not read it. It is so However, again, being in Mr. Rollo's room before, I've been here when he's read it. So I've heard a lot of it. I just haven't read it myself. So the book tackles a lot of mental health related Ah, stuff. I love it. It's so good. And the main character, Caden Bosch, I want to say his last name is. Um, He is 15, I want to say. I keep like just saying like I want to say whatever just say it <laughs> anyways um and he suffers from like schizophrenia and all of this throughout the book and it is such a beautiful book and I feel like in in other books when they tackle mental illness it's always what, what's going on there <laughs> because like imagine twilight see like <laughs> when bella is broken up with by edward i i've i haven't specifically read the books but i have them all you're welcome to borrow them oh <laughs> I'll, I'll see about that <laughs> um but she like goes into this depressive state but it's very like i couldn't exist without him exactly. he was my puka uh, puka bay and i can't my boo <laughs> He was my baby boy. I can't do anything without the vampire. Like, it's... There's definitely a way to tackle mental illness in in writing and everything. And I feel like John Tertuk just did it so well. And I don't know how to explain it. I love it. Is there any, like... Ooh, this is something... This is something I've been wanting to ask for a second. What are some of the most either the worst writing tropes you see that you annoy you that annoy you so much or like the best ones you see that you're like yes it's happening the best what say it again writing tropes okay um oh geez <laughs> the worst and the best huh mm-hmm. i'm on the spot i don't know um <laughs> what, what do you think so, well i'm trying to give me something to jump off with okay um me personally I guess the like worst writing tropes is when it's like a lead character that is like she's the sweetest girl at school. Everyone loves her, but then a new guy arrives at school and he's literally just an absolute jerk to her. <laughs> but you know, she loves him. Like I hate I hate that. Okay, I've got one. I've got one. Okay. So, I'm reading a really cheesy book right now, okay? <laughs> it's just because I'm in between books. Um, but it's about a ghost and it's, it's kind of one of those move into a new house. Oh my. I feel something weird. <laughs> and as I'm reading it, I'm like, this is really isn't going to be the ghost, I right? Roll. Guess I what? Roll. It's the ghost. Oh, it's the ghost. So, <laughs> nothing new on that one. For it's got to sure. be the ghost. It's I, know. Be the I don't ghost. think I'm, I don't think I'm finishing that one. I like <laughs> a good ghost story, but it's when it, I kind of feel like I've read that storyline <laughs> a couple different times i know how it's gonna end there's yeah there's a way to do rewritings of like certain stories like cinderella rewrites all that kind of stuff and then there's a way to not do it and sometimes the way people do it is the way you should not do it <laughs> that's I know. and i think maybe younger younger people may write like that because you're just getting your ideas yeah, you're and just you're getting trying to embellish and elaborate but yes once we're Good getting words. to the point of putting out things on our own it, it, that's when the with, problem gets there <laughs> right yeah do you like a good ghost story i i am definitely not a like why a novel type person i'm more like i like horror and thriller okay like, i do not like a book unless it's 
like, oh my gosh, this is what's happening. Oh my goodness. Like I, most of the people I've interviewed on this podcast have loved dystopian. That is their book genre is their favorite book genre. And I've just, I've never been a dystopian type person, but I can appreciate it. I can appreciate it. And so I appreciate a good ghost story. Okay. That's why I also like thrillers right. and horrors. Like it just, it, it, ghost stories are usually good. <laughs> that's what I can say. But sometimes if they lean too far into that stereotype, then that's when they kind of, ooh, what are you, what's happening here? Like at a camp. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then it was 3 a.m. And there was a ghost. On a full moon. Yeah, on a full moon <laughs> in a place just like this. <laughs> like, it, it gets a little silly. So we are running out of time. Darn. Which I could stinks. be here all day. Yeah, it's just, it's great to talk. I don't know. But, um... Thank you for being on the podcast. Is there any final words you would like Thank to say? Thank you. Final words. Just be kind. Be kind. <laughs> I, know, I know it sounds cliche, but going back to the mental illness, we, we all have things in our lives and we can just be more kind to one another. I, I think that's the key, people. Nothing so. but facts. Nothing but facts. So. All right. Well, thank you for Peace being in love. <laughs> thank you for being on the podcast. Thanks, Sage. And thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Rello's Writing Room is a production of the 8th grade advanced English class of River Valley in beautiful Caledonia, Ohio, starring Abby, Marissa, Liberty, and Sage, with special guests Mrs. Havilander, Jingle by Haven, music by Keith Witte, and artwork by Sage. We would also like to thank our lovely teacher Rello and the staff of River Valley for making this possible. And of course, we couldn't do it without our dads who take us here every morning bright and early. See you guys next time. Bye!